Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. I wanted to take a moment before we jump into today's episode to just give a brief overview of Marvel Snap as a game for any new time listeners to the podcast. Uh, As you all know from the description of this episode or things you've seen on social media, Marvel Snap has just released globally uh, for public release. It's been in beta for several months, and thus far this podcast has been covering uh, the beta of the game uh, from the beginning until now. Uh, But now with the global release, obviously, uh, there's many more of you that can now have access to the game and can be playing and enjoying and listening along to the podcast. So a couple things you should know about uh, Marvel Snap before diving into the podcast and before diving into the game. Marvel Snap is a collectible card game where users collect cards that are based off of Marvel characters. Uh, They use these cards to build decks of 12 cards. Uh, Games are played in six turns, and the goal of the game is to control two out of three locations. Locations come from a pool of various locations that are randomized each game. Three locations are revealed over the course of turn one, turn two, and turn three. And in order to win a location, you must have more power at that location based on the power levels of your card than your opponent. If at the end of turn six, you have more power at two locations, you are declared the winner. That being said, there are stakes in this game that you can win uh, by winning a match. Those are cosmic cubes or cubes. When you begin a game, the stakes are one cube. You have what is called the snap mechanic to increase those uh, winnings throughout the game. Each player has one snap they can initiate during the game. Anytime somebody snaps, the stakes are doubled. So we start with one cube. If one player snaps, it jumps to two. And if another player snaps, snaps it jumps to four now at the end of the last turn of the game whatever the stakes are currently will double again so normally the max you could get is if both players snap and you go all six turns of the game the stakes will be eight cubes this means that the loser would lose eight cubes and the winner would win eight cubes these cubes are used to advance uh, in the ranked mode of marvel snap and uh, that is kind of how you progress uh, up the ladder Uh, One other thing to to note is that uh, this card game has a unique uh, unlock progression for obtaining new cards. The way you obtain cards is by upgrading your existing cards. Uh, There are a couple currency systems in the game, uh, credits and boosters that you obtain through play and through uh, daily activities that you can use to upgrade your cards. As you upgrade cards, you will move up what's called the collection level tracker and you will be able to unlock new cards and add those to collection, and then you will be able to play with those cards, build decks with those cards, and then obviously upgrade those cards as well, and continually up, uh, unlock new cards again and again until eventually you would have a full collection after uh, several months of play. So this is just kind of a brief overview of Marvel Snap. Just kind of a, a couple key points that you should know before diving in. There are a lot of great resources out there to help you get into Marvel Snap, and to enjoy the game. One of them is MarvelSnapZone.com, the official sponsor of this podcast. Marvel Snap Zone has a variety of articles, videos, uh, deck builder tools, collection trackers, etc., that you can use for free to be able to uh, more fully enjoy the game and understand the game and understand the strategy and understand uh, what the current meta of the game looks like. So I recommend that you uh, pause this podcast and you go check out MarvelSnapZone.com, create an account, and, and begin to enjoy and use those tools. With all that being said, we appreciate you listening, whether you're a longtime listener or a first-time listener. We've got a great conversation with three amazing guests today. And without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And Marvel Snap is officially launched worldwide. Uh, as At the time of your listening to this, uh, the global release was yesterday. And so uh, hopefully, if you haven't played the game yet, yeah, uh, or if you didn't make it into the beta, you are playing now and you are able to get the game downloaded and, and you've been playing a ton. Uh, so we have a great episode lined out for you today. We just want to have an episode that is both for a longtime listener and beta player, as well as new listener and new player of Marvel Snap, and share some of our thoughts with a panel of guests today. 
uh, on some of our thoughts on Marvel Snap, where it is at global release, and where we hope to see it go in the future. So I am joined by three guests today. I am joined by Binks. Binks, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, as always. I think it's my third time on the show, and always a pleasure. Yeah, uh, all three of you are returning guests. Uh, we we also have Jeff Hoagland back. Je- Jeff, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for remembering how to say the last name. I, I made sure to consciously think about that before I said it, so I didn't mess it up. So, uh, And Ridiculous Hat, we are glad to have you back as well. Hey, thanks. It's exciting to be here with people that like actually make Marvel Snap content. And then yeah. I'm here too. It's fun. Well, like I said, I've had all three of you on the show, and I've enjoyed having all three of you in the past, and I thought it would be fun to bring you guys together to share some of your thoughts and, and hear your thoughts on each other's thoughts. So I want to start off really quick as part of our introduction. I just want to give you each a chance to say um, to the listeners, you know, uh, how you got into Marvel Snap and, you know, why you decided to make uh, content for Marvel Snap or kind of promote Marvel Snap uh, in uh, your social media or in the content you're creating. So Binks, will let you kick it off. You know, what what pushed you to decide to create content uh, in Marvel Snap? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, as far as like when I've, I first started, so I saw the stream that Ben Broad had announced in the game. Uh, I've been playing Hearthstone for a really long time on and off. Uh, and I always loved Ben Broad. It's sad to see him go. And I've been seeing a few teasers about what he was going to do. And then, you know, they announced Marvel Snap. I, I watched it and then just immediately put my name for the beta. And uh, then whatnot, two days later, uh, I was super lucky to be one of the, the very first round of people selected to, to come in and play. So uh, I got excited. Um, I like reached out on, on you know Twitter. I had a very small following back then. I, you know, like, No one really followed me. I uh, reached out and said, hey, would people be interested in watching this? Some people said yes. I started streaming it. I started really making YouTube videos for it. And I just fell in love with the game. Uh, the the progression from, you know, learning pull one decks, pull two decks, pull three decks was so much fun. Uh, being able to, like, find cards and trying to figure out ways to do it. So uh, just for uh, a love of Ben Brode from his previous work and just immediately falling in love with the game the moment I got my hands on it, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to, to just start putting out as much content as I wanted to spread that love with uh, everyone out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like you, Binks, uh, Jeff, I, you know, you, you stream a variety of games uh, with the content you put out. So what made you decide to kind of throw Marvel Snap into the mix of stuff you're, you're streaming regularly? You know, it's, it's kind of a funny story. I got an email a couple of months before Snap was announced publicly. It was very vague. It was like, hey, we're announcing this new card game for a major IP, but we can't say what it is yet. Do you want something in the mail when we announce it? I was like, sure. And I completely forgot about it. And then a couple of months later, this little Marvel snap package with stickers and some other swag and it shows up on my door. It's like, oh, this looks neat. And I, I got into the closed beta and I just absolutely fell in love. I try and touch every card game that comes out in the space. And I can honestly say, I think Marvel snap is probably the best new card game I've played in the last decade. That is a big statement. Uh, but I think there are several people that agree with you. Uh, and then Ridiculous Hat, uh, you haven't necessarily been making specific content. You obviously create content uh, around Hearthstone and some other things. But, you know, what what drew you to Marvel Snap? So I, too, am a card game addict. I think, uh, Jeff, I agree with you in, in how raised that. If a card game comes out, I'm going to try it. Spend a little bit of time convincing myself I was going to I was going to do a main Gwent that impulse came and went pretty quickly. Uh, I convinced myself that I was going to play some Legends of Runeterra. still play that every so often, but all these games, none of them ever stuck with me. I kept going back to Hearthstone, MTG Arena. I tried that, but then there was rotation. I had to spend more rare wild cards to get lands. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, the difference with Snap and the reason why I'm on the show and the reason why I'm still talking about it is that I got, I got into it over Memorial Day weekend. Got the invite. That was the, the start of the closed beta. I was lucky enough to get an early invite. I was at a wedding that week. I played all day in the hotel room while my wife was asleep. Stayed up way too late. Got in trouble. It was fine. Um, I, since then, I have played it every day. That is the recommendation I can give. I tweet about it. I talk about it. Most of my contact contributions are retweeting some deck lists, replying to Steven Jarrett on Twitter, and, uh, and talking in the SnapFan Discord. That is the majority of my interaction. I have held myself back from making podcasts around the game because I would... 
and I already have three podcasts and a marriage. And that that is those four things. I get to keep four, but if I add one, one of the other ones is going away. And I think we all know what that one is. So I love my wife. I want to stay in that relationship. But I play Marvel Snap every day. So I speak to it as this is a game that if you have another game that you play when you're sitting down at home at your computer, I can earnestly, honestly recommend this because it will fit into the rest of your life. And the gameplay is good and fun and has some significant depth to it that I didn't see coming. Yeah, no, definitely. I I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think one of the reasons that uh, it's really caught on with the beta players is that it's really easy to pick up and play uh, in between things at work or during your commute if you're on public transport uh, transportation, right? There, It's just so easy to play for a few minutes at a time. Uh, multiple times a day, right? Uh, and make that part of your regular gaming. So, well, awesome. Thank you guys for for that. Uh, kind of fun to hear all of your different stories and all kind of your different angles that you bring to the table here. So we have five main questions for the panel today. Um, five kind of areas of discussion that I'd love to hear your thoughts and love to hear, uh, you know, maybe how some of your thoughts align or how some of your thoughts differ from each other. So let's dive right into question one. How has your impression of Marvel Snap and Second Dinner changed from beta launch to global launch? So essentially, you know, what were your impressions, your general impressions, and then how has that changed or stayed the same in the several months of the beta launch? And we'll, we'll go in the reverse order this time. We'll start with you, uh, Ridiculous Hat. So is this a Nexus event question? Because this sure sounds like a Nexus event question. You know, there may be some Nexus event undertones there. Yes. Okay. So, um, team has been through a surprising amount in the time that the game hasn't been out yet. Uh, but I, I think that they went through some real trials and tribulations. I mean, it's they're a new company, and this is their first product they're shipping. These are people that have shipped a lot of games before in a lot of different ways. But this is their first product shipping as this company. And there were some mistakes. There were some issues. There were some bugs. So second dinner, so far from what I can tell, I can say at this point, they seem like a bunch of smart people that want what we want, which is a cool game that they get to play and we get to play and the players can engage with in good faith. Um, the launch, there were some significant issues with the collection. They've resolved a lot of them. I'm not going to say they've resolved all of them. I think there's still some concerns there. But it's, uh, Jeff, I think you and I, both were dealing with the 96 levels between cards, pool three. Took forever to get through, and I think I resonated a lot with one of your first comments about the game, like the first week. Please buff the credit card because they had limited credit purchases to one per day for each category. It felt like it was impossible to make progress. Then after that, they fixed that. Then Nexus events came out. They were supposed to be the solution to getting more cards. And instead, they ended up being um, not great. And, you know, the influencer perception took a huge hit. A bunch of people weren't sure if they're going to make content. And then they immediately made the best possible way to fix it of we're giving you all your gold back. We're giving you the cards. We're turning this off and we're never turning it on again. So the kind of people that are willing to do that sort of thing so publicly, so early in the game's development, I want to play the things they make. So I'm feeling pretty good about where they're going. I, I think it really can't be understated how unheard of it is in this game's industry for a company to say, we hear your feedback and we're scrapping this thing that we worked on and put a lot of effort into and we're replacing it with something else that's not that's better because there was so much negative feedback about this when the nexus events happened and they were so expensive to get new cards i was fully expecting that to just be a typical price anchor we're going to slash it down to 50 percent or 10 percent or whatever and people will say oh it's cheaper so it's fine now but the fact that they're going to go back to the drawing board and actually make a model that people are happy with i think speaks volumes to how much they want to implement player feedback in this game 100 percent. binks binks what are your thoughts on this i mean uh, definitely just kind of agree with everything i was also in 96 credit level for a long time and that was probably like my biggest thing with the game and it was really crazy that they fixed that problem at the exact same time that they added nexus events so they they kind of like they they took like such a weird step where they they introduced like a much worse mechanic to monetize the game while fixing one of them significantly because i think now that it's on to 48 it does 
really feel uh, much better going through. And a lot of people were actually hesitant at first to not make it like, oh, exactly every 48 levels you get it. But then they change it to this like collector cash system where there's a 25% chance you get a new card every uh, eight levels or however, however it came out. Every 12 levels, there's a, a 25% chance to get cards. But I actually think that it just feels like really good. Uh, what they have to do now, and maybe because we're recording this before global release, maybe they have announced something when this happened, uh, they need to make a way for something to happen after you get to that end of the collection level. I know they're looking to add pool four, looking to add pool five, uh, but for, I believe, everyone in this call is probably over, you know, has a full collection and now just don't know what to do. Like we have all of our collectors caches just kind of waiting to to crack them uh, i think that you, you know the the step from beta to global release has been awesome it's really nice to see the progress uh, totally agree with both of both of y'all the giga chad play by by second dinner to just say yeah we were wrong here's all of your gold back and also sorry and also we'll fix this uh, that was crazy uh, but i'm really excited to see what happens next and how they um add new ways for people who have a full collection to continue to grow their collection or have new ways to experience the game. Uh, that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, I, I just want to add one thought to your comments. I, I work in software uh, in my day job uh, as a product manager. And so I one thing that I really liked about Second Dinner that I think speaks to what you're all saying is that they've really gone for kind of an agile, lean software development cycle, right? I'm not saying other games don't do it, but I just I've really noticed how they're willing to, you know, iterate and try new things and kind of go back to the drawing board, whether that's obviously features or monetization or other small things, just like UI, right? Like they've iterated pieces of the UI four or five times at this point, right? And it really shows that they're willing to like try things, try new things, get feedback on it and try to make the best product as possible, right? I think it would have been a disaster if they waited, had waited to get Nexus events out for like global release. Like what if that happened in a patch tomorrow, right? Uh, and it was just a global release. I mean, it would have been horrible, right? So even if it wasn't their best idea, I mean, we all see we all see that and know that, but they tried to get it out early and get the feedback. And then obviously they it was a, a you know a big mistake and they were willing to do everything in their power to rectify it, you know, to the best best of their ability. So yeah, I, I think we're all high on on second dinner and I think they've shown a lot of maturity in their their willingness to do kind of what's right for the player to create a, a great product for the player. Well, uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit here to our second question. Um, uh, some of you have already kind of talked about this in the sense that uh, we've kind of alluded to some other card games and how this, you know, relates in the space. But how well do you think Second Dinner has done to make Marvel Snap stand out and be accessible in the large digital card game space? I know, I know all of you play, you know, have played or do play other card games including myself. And uh, so we kind of all bring different experiences and knowledge to this question and to the table here. Um, but, uh, you know, I think all of these games have different levels of accessibility for new players and for people to enjoy and for people to be able to deck build, etc. So would love to hear some of your thoughts on how you think Second Dinner has, has done to kind of stand out from the crowd and, and make a game for everyone. So, uh, Jeff, we'll start with you on this one. I think the one obvious thing that stands out about Marvel Snap from other card games is how the card acquisition works with the collection levels. And while there's definitely some feedback that needs to be addressed in terms of being able to target some specific cards, I don't think there's any denying that their current collection system does exactly what it's intended to do, which is create moments of excitement for the player as they're growing their collection. Like, I can't tell you the number of streams that I've watched or even I'm playing myself where, like, you open that card you've been waiting for and you're like, oh my god, it's magic, finally, or I, yeah. I have Mystique and these other decks are open. It creates that dopamine hit moment in the way that no other card game I've played ever has. You know, I've opened hundreds of dollars of packs at a time in Hearthstone and Magic Arena and probably half a dozen other card games, and it's all just like, get this crap off my screen so I can start doing stuff with it. I don't care about the pack opening at all. And Snap, I really was plugged in the entire time I was growing my collection. Yeah. Uh, when I'm opening a cache and it's a card opened... Uh, at least on my phone, sometimes the text of the card loads first before the image. It's like a half second before the image of the card loads. And I'm just like, oh man, it's a card. It's not credits or it's not something. And it's, is this one I have? Oh, it's not one I have, you know? And 
exactly like you say, right? It's just this, oh man, uh, this is one I've been waiting for. This is something that's going to unlock these three different decks I wanted to play or these variants of these decks I'm already playing. Couldn't agree more with you that I think it's just a very unique uh, experience for kind of building out your card collection. Uh, Binks, would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't play too many other card games, to be honest. You know, I was I was into Hearthstone for a long time, and now I'm pretty much out of it. But that's really the only collectible card game I was super into, as opposed to earlier. Uh, what I think that that Marvel Snap does so well, though, and, and where I do think it stands out, is it's quick. Um, the, the speed of the games and the fact that the games are capped at a certain turn level, uh, I think is awesome. As a player, I've always drifted towards games that are in that like three to seven minute range um you, you know i never got into a moba before pokemon unite which has like a 10 minute timer for a moba which is crazy short for a moba and that got me really addicted to that game because you can play 10 minutes get crushed whatever you go on to the next game uh rocket league another great example five minute games uh you look at this old game called battle rate which was this kind of like multiplayer arena uh battler that was about five to ten minutes so i've always been drawn to those quick games that give you that quick dopamine hit um, because I think that winning is still just about as fun as winning in those other games, but losing feels so much less bad because you can just say, okay, I lost. Uh, that's fine. Uh, the other big thing that it stands out with is the snap mechanic. The snap mechanic is so elegant and beautiful. I don't think it can be like understated at just how, how like crisp and simple the snap mechanic is, but completely changes the way that you play about a, that you play a game. You look at Hearthstone, I always get upset when I see people who just like retreat in Hearthstone like willy-nilly because it's like retreating doesn't do anything. Like retreating, you, you just lose, right? But retreating is a tactic in this game, which is which is very different. Uh, it's elegant, it's beautiful, it's awesome. And uh, last thing with like the speed of the game, for going to the bathroom, it's the best bathroom game that's ever been made, ever. Amen to that. I think one of the key things to comment on the length of the game, too, isn't even just that they're short, but it's that they're predictable, right? You start to think of this isn't a 15-minute break. It's a three games of Marvel Snap because every game is about five minutes. And being able to put units of time into number of games is a very convenient feature for fitting games in at opportune moments. Yep. Very true. Yep. Ridiculous Hat, what would you add? So, and I know this might be a condemnation on our generation and future generations and how lazy we are. Portrait mode? Portrait mode is OP. I don't gotta use a second hand to hold my phone while I play this game. I'd have gotta turn it sideways. Nobody knows that I'm playing a game. I'm just holding my phone. There's something to be said for that. I don't know why it's so appealing, but it weirdly is. I mean, it makes the game a lot more public transit accessible, but like, I, just, I don't even, I, like, my other hand can be, can be holding a, a coffee or whatever. It's fine. Um, but I think what they have done to make Marvel Snap stand out in the card game space is by only kind of being a card game. This is closer to a character battler RPG than a lot of card games are. There's no two ofs or four ofs or whatever. You can't, you don't really have agency in how you collect the cards. But that means the a lot of times the first cool pool three card you open becomes a card you identify with you always keep it in your party you level it up you have different uh variant skins uh that show your growth in time with that card even though it plays the same way up front but you know if it's got that gold background you know that it's special you know that's better uh it's not like and the gameplay is not what you think of when you think of most card games only gwent really branched out of the like mana draw cards sequential turn thing and snap has simultaneous turns a lot closer to a board game called smash up and i think that it's really a significant enough departure from most genre norms that i would call it genre adjacent they're clearly trying to court card game players but you don't need to be a card game player to like this and as a corollary if you are a card game player this might not be for you because it's pretty different but it probably like give it a try it probably will be will be something well, and one of the things Snap does better than other card games, too, is just the onboarding process, right? Like, think of how many things you have yeah. to explain to someone to teach them magic or Hearthstone. And there's just like, you know, like the magic rule book is hundreds of pages with asterisks and other things like that. And Snap, you're like, this is how it works. And you can explain it in 30 seconds. And it's similar to other great popular games like chess and go where like getting into it is easy, but mastering it is difficult. 
Yes. Pool system helps with that too. Which which I uh, yeah, the pool system helps with that too because like you look at starter cards, super simple. Pool one, little bit more complexity. Pool three, a little bit more, and then pool three, you start to get the crazy cards. So yeah, def- definitely agree with that. That onboarding and and there's levels to the game that they teach you over time, which is really really nice. I would call the game mobile first parentheses complementary. That's a good mobile first. It was designed to be played with your phone in your hand. However, I will say I'm excited for the PC client because it's going to be a big old quality upgrade for the for the streamers that are on the call with me here. Because otherwise, you got to hack together this weirdo overlay where you're slicing up pieces of a BlueStacks emulator. It'll be nice to have a PC client. Yes, yes, I, I, I think everybody's been waiting for that uh, for so long, and it and it's nice to know that obviously we'll have the the, the early access of that in, in uh, just a few short hours from the time of recording this. So. Um, one thing I just wanted to add to this uh, this part of the conversation is that um, you know my my brother in law and my sister, and I will just clarify I, I've mentioned them before on an episode, and I said my my sister in law, my brother, uh, she's actually my sister, she's not my sister in law, and they corrected me because they listened to that episode. Um, they they got into the beta and they've been playing, and they're they're not necessarily card game people either. You guys, uh, I don't remember exactly who said that, but um, yeah, this this is a very accessible game. I mean, they're into board games, they like. Uh, a variety of different video games and board games, but they've never really played a ton of card games. But this is just something that, you know, anybody who likes gaming really can pick up and enjoy and learn, right? I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I think it's it's just something that people can connect with and, and say, hey, I, I play a card game, right? Uh, without having to feel like you've had all this background or this time or you've been associated in that genre for a long time to be able to do. So uh, very accessible in that way. Okay, well, we're changing uh, gears here a little bit towards the future. Um, the next question is, what do you hope to see added or changed in the game in the next three months? Now, I'm sure all of us could come up with a list of five to ten things if we really wanted to. Uh, for sake of time, and because I want to hear all of our thoughts, uh, maybe just keep it to one or two things that you would like to see either changed or added to the game in the next three months. doesn't mean it's... You know, there could be things that you'd want added longer term, but if you had to pick one or two that you'd love to see in the first few patches after launch, what would that be? Uh, and Binks, we'll start with you this time. The number one by a long shot for me is player versus player being able to, you know, have a friend or, you know, as content creators, have another content creator and sit down and play a game against them. Um I am so excited for that feature. I feel like once this game goes from a fully ladder game to a game that can be played in more of a, you know, open deck list, you know, bring three decks and then do like the, you know, like 10 cube, like health system that they have set up. uh, The game is going to change so much. Like just being able to bring a deck on ladder versus going into a competition and knowing what to expect and bringing counters and specific things, uh, the layers of complexity and the layers of strategy are going to just blossom with this game. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'm so excited to see what people are doing, to see what the best ladder players right now, if they can transition to become competitive players who can just you know, consistently beat people. Uh, the mind games of playing one person like multiple times in a row is going to be ridiculous. Um, so I'm just going to focus on just, just that one thing. I think that it's going to make the community uh, much better at communicating with each other. Because right now, if like you know, streamers want to compete against each other right now, right? We have Q Rush, which is cool, and that was a, that was an awesome thing that that's gotten uh, grown. But it's not the the real thing of like you know one on one competition. There's too many variables. So I think that it's going to bring you know, the ability for streamers to communicate and play together a little bit more as opposed to just co-oping or doing these other things. It's going to increase and like blossom the strategy, the depth and the complexity of the game. Uh, and it's just going to be, you know, so much fun to have bragging rights and to, uh, to to play other people. So I'm all in and super excited for for that side of the game. Yes, very excited for friendly matches um, and, and targeted matches. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? 
You know, I'm actually excited for that same feature, but for a little bit different reasons. Uh, my background in card games before I started making content full-time a number of years ago was I played a lot of uh, tournament Magic the Gathering, and that direct challenge mode is going to open up Marvel Snap to be able to have community-hosted tournaments, and should it come with a spectator client as well, being able to do coverage or homegrown esports-style stuff for Marvel Snap in the tournament space sounds phenomenal. Um, past that, you can tell that Binks is a previous Hearthstone player. So when I think 1v1, I want a sideboard like we play with in Magic, not a multi-deck format. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of different nuance there. Um, Ridiculous Hat, what would you like to see as kind of your number one uh, item to be added post-launch? So I'm going to be in the same vein, similar, um, in-game social. That's how you challenge people is through the friends list. But I also want to be able to message my friends, share decks through there, talk to them. When I run to them a ladder, I can send them a message in the client instead of having to tab out to Discord or use one of the emotes. I will say I love the stickers they added. The, the Spider-Man pointing sticker, every time my wife sees me playing and we both play the same cards and we Spider-Man point each other, she laughs. Love having that. But in-game social... Not only is the conduit to in-game play, which is the conduit to in-game tournaments, but also uh, it's a social game and card gaming is a social experience. We run into a lot of the same people. Maybe that'll change when more people flood into the ladder, but I, I would really like that. Uh, number two, delete Danger Room from the game. I want that to not be in the game anymore. Um, I had this third thing. Those two are, are probably my peak. Those are the most important. Yeah, I'd like Danger Room adjusted as well, but not deleted. I just think Domino should always survive because she's lucky. Mm, okay, okay, that's flavorful. I dig that. Enjoy yeah, that. You can see it. Danger Room um, never destroys also, your, your minion if you believe in the heart of the cards. That is they true. Also, I've actually seen that. If you win a game during a 12 hour stream, you should get nine cubes. That's for you, Binks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I oh, I could go on for, for a little while about a couple of locations. Uh, maybe some l less rocks from a few locations. Uh, you know, stuff like that. But. Uh, I can I give a quick take on that really quick? Yes. I actually think non-games like those rocks are important for card games to have exist. And I say that because if you're playing card game a bunch, having brain break moments where you get a win or even a loss kind of for free outside of your hands is almost like a reset moment. And I actually think it's why... Uh, Rune Terra to call one out, for example, kind of struggled to gain traction because there's no brain breaks in that game. And having those, this was a relaxed, chill, positive or negative, I think is beneficial to the game overall. That is a very fair yes. point. This is why I'm an ego stan. Leave ego in the game. Every so often, I just want ego to show up and be like, we got this one. You can leave if you want. You can stay if you want. Do whatever you want to do. I was like, it's all right, cool. I can do that. I remembered what my third request was, by the way. I want deck codes to be short enough to fit in a tweet i am so tired of deck codes being more than 280 characters and i gotta plug them in from an image like it's the stone age shorter deck codes yeah uh, i think that'll definitely help uh yeah right now it's just it's it's hard to to share those easily and, and they know that i i know that they've seen that piece of feedback and i hope so we all have our hit list of, of things we'd like to see and i know that you know several of the things we've talked about at least are on their their some are on their shorter term uh roadmap if you will with the things like um friendly matches uh things with more of the social elements and some of those maybe are on the little bit longer side from what we understand today uh but i think they have a lot of great things planned and and i think um kind of going back to our first piece of the conversation i think at least i feel hopeful and i feel like i've you know, they've gained my trust trust as a developer and I feel like they're going to, they're not going to be able to get out everything and every change and every new feature at once, but I think they're going to do it in a methodical way to, you know, try to support the game uh, with the biggest things first. So, okay. Well, let's shift into our fourth question, which is what is your favorite type or types of decks to play and build right now? Um, so there's a couple different archetypes uh, we kind of talk about uh, in Marvel Snap, you know, like a move deck or a destroy deck. But there's also like certain kind of cards that are the main focal point of a deck we talk about, like Death Wave, right? That's kind of like a type of deck. So 
you know, use whatever language makes the most sense to describe, you know, kind of the decks you're playing uh, and enjoying the most right now with the current build, the current patch, etc. cetera. Uh, this time we'll, we'll jump back over to Ridiculous Hat to start us off. So remember how I said I view this as like a character collection game and that you identify with the first big pool three card you open? Mine was Sarah, Sarah's best girl, and I admit that for multiple seasons I was part of the problem. Luckily, I was mostly farming bots. I went up and I looked up my original Sarah deck list, and nine of the 12 cards in that list have been nerfed. It was a lot of fun back then. It was degenerate. Uh, but since the most recent patch, I haven't found Sarah to be working for me. Uh, I'm kind of grateful that they finally got Sarah negative dead and that I, I can play six turns instead of seven turns. New players, you don't know how often seven turns were happening. And you won't ever know that. Um, but right now, I'm playing a lot of Ultron. Hmm. There's the there's this uh, deck that was going around called Ultra Single by oh. a player on Twitter named uh, Expo UHL. And it's this Ultron Patriot buff deck. And then Jammernaut in the SnapFan Discord made a different version said, well, if I'm playing Ultron anyways, I'm going to cut all of these ones because I'm filling my lane anyways and just play a bunch of three disruption cards like Storm and Green Goblin whatever. Uh, and I've been playing that, and, like, it's really good. It's quite good. I actually, Jeff, I have a confession to make. I sent Steven that list, and then he played you on stream that night. Yeah. It was fun. Nice. Um, that This is this is sidebarring uh, uh, a little bit, but whenever I've uh, played Jeff, I always jump in his stream right after, and, and it's always to say, hey, that was me you just beat, because uh, I've never actually beat Jeff in all the times I've played him. So, uh, Jeff. Same. <laughs> Jeff, what? I don't uh, think I've beaten either Binks or Jeff, actually. Uh, I don't think I've beat Binks either, so. You guys have to bring your MMR really low to, to face me, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> I don't know if that, that's true, but uh, uh, Jeff, uh, what deck or decks are you playing the most right now? So the archetype I definitely enjoy the most in Marvel Snap is one I affectionately call Have Some Crap. And it is a deck that plays uh, Debris and Viper and Green Goblin and lots of things that fill your opponent's board state up with crap. Because I think the fact that you can only have four cards in each space is such a unique, neat resource you have to manage in Marvel Snap that's not relevant in most other card games. And the fact that they give us so many neat tools to interact with that resource on the opponent's side is really sweet. Yeah. No, and uh, it's really nice when, when you pull it off, right? And you just, you really lock them out of uh, really being able to pull off any major combos, right? Uh, the combination you're describing, because, I mean, you got rocks at multiple locations and you got Viper thrown over a bad card of them. And if you can get Green Goblin, right, like, man, at that point, uh, I'm sure there's people that retreat, at, you know, halfway through the game when that happens, right? Yeah. Okay, Binks, uh, what are, uh, I have a guess for what you're going to say, but I could be wrong. So uh, what's your kind of favorite archetype or favorite type of deck you're playing right now? Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Yeah, I'll talk about a couple a couple types. So the, yesterday I had a 12-hour stream where, where I featured uh, a deck that's that's called Exodia, uh, named, you know, or uh, about the Yu-Gi-Oh card that's Exodia. It's basically a huge combo that can destroy cards. Uh, you can set up a lane uh, with Onslaught, Mystique, and Wong in this game to get 256 triggers uh, of a on-reveal, and I just try to take that to the limit and do it with just about every on-reveal trigger that uh, could, could work. Uh, we're being really creative about it, so I really like Exodia. I, I feel like that was one of the most unique decks I've ever seen. Um, I actually had, uh, his name was Rob Coates, was the guy who uh, created it like the first time and kind of popularized it, so I had him on stream. 
the first time I started playing it, and it's just a really, really cool deck. Kind of shows like some of the ways that this game can be broken and, and, and brought, you, you know, without being like a super competitive deck. Um, but as far as decks that I like, I just really like just in general, big decks. So decks that focus on wave and decks that focus on electro to just play really, really big cards. There's some really fun and awesome big cards in this game, like Dr. Doom, uh, which uh, was really cool. If you're a Hearthstone fan, it's uh, it's like Dr. Boom, uh, very, very similar cards. And uh, they even like the original uh, version of it is, is very similar to the card out of Dr. Boom. Uh, Leader is my favorite card in the game. The mind games with that is, are, is so cool. Magneto that can move cards around. So being able to play those big, awesome cards is one of my favorite things. So I've always liked just playing, you, you know, if I'm playing by, my, by myself off stream, uh, it's always going to be like big decks, just playing really big, awesome effects uh, for five or six uh, energy. Awesome. For myself, um, I've been playing, uh, I've been still on the Hella, uh, the Hella discard train. Um, I know it's not the best deck out there, but man, it feels good when I pull it off and, you know, bring back uh, four or five cards, you know, usually it's kind of the max you can get to. Uh, with the amount of cards you're able to discard by then, uh, that just feels great. Um, it's not uh, not the most consistent, but but I still love playing it. Um, and besides that, I, I'm playing kind of a Bishop, Devil Dino, Angela, Moon Girl, etc. deck, right? Uh, um, Beast and all all that jazz, right? Just building up your hand size and. Uh, kind of getting um, the collector to grow big and and um, uh, um, I just said it, Devil Dino to grow big, etc. So I've been playing some of that. I, you guys know that it's, it's it's not nearly as good as it once was, uh, collector and some of those other combos, but uh, it's still fun to pick up and play a little bit of. So I think I think like six cards in that deck have gotten nerfed. Right, like for, from like the original like Carnage Nova Collector Double Dinosaur Moon Girl deck. Yeah, pretty sure like six six of those twelve cards have gotten nerfed. It's pretty crazy. Well, when you, you think you when, count Devil Dino twice. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Devil Dino twice because when you think back to just like when I think back to Devil Dino being like a three zero and Moon Girl being a three three, it's just like man, oh man, uh, that that was quite I just the like wild ride. Say- how refreshing it is to have a balanced team that actually seems to look at what their game is doing and really care about it. Like the way second dinner has iterated over their formats in the first few months here really gives me a lot of optimism for good balance in this game going forward, especially compared to other card games I'm play where you often sit in stagnant meta games with one or two dominant decks. If you're lucky. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Oh, go ahead, Ricky. Go. I'm really curious what the new player meta looks like because when we all got into the game, there was one deck you played. It was Carnage Denova. So I'm really curious, all the people that are starting tomorrow, all the people that have started by the time they're listening to this podcast, what are they going to play? Because they nerfed Swarm Collector, they nerfed Carnage Denova. I'm really curious what these Pool 1, Pool 2 decks start to look like when we have a huge influx of population. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting, and uh, you know, I I don't know if, uh, w- I guess I don't know when the next patch is coming. Right? I think that's, uh, I don't know what the the cadence of patches is going to be post release, but I think it feels like they've got, uh, the the cards kind of where they want them for release. So, like you're saying, it's kind of a mystery. I, I mean, not that there's no good decks. I mean, it kind of sets you up to build kind of a on reveal deck with Odin and White Tiger and stuff like that, right? Like you get some of those cards early on that kind of set you up to do some basic on reveal decks. So I think we'll see see a lot of that. Uh, but there's nothing that stands out of like, oh, new players are going to look up and find that one deck to play and like climb super fast, right? Um, so interesting, interesting question for sure. Um, I feel like I had one more thought with this. Um, but it has escaped me. We will we will jump into our final question here, um, which is, what is your number one piece of advice for new players getting into Marvel Snap, Snap at launch? Now, obviously, there's probably people listening to this right now that have been playing for months now and 
and your advice may still be applicable to them. But I really want you to think about the new players. You know, maybe uh, at the time of listening, they've only been playing for a day or two, and um, they're still, you know, they don't have a ton of cards unlocked, and they're they're trying to kind of figure out, okay, how do I build decks? How do I climb? How do I play this game, etc.? What is your advice to them to help them enjoy the game? It doesn't have to be just to like climb, right? What is your your advice for them to enjoy the game and kind of get the most out of the game? Uh, and this time we will start with Jeff. Learn how to utilize the snap mechanic. The snap mechanic isn't just a tool for acquiring more cubes when you're doing well. It's a tactical tool for retreating when things aren't going your way. One of the developers answered a question in the Snap Discord when someone asked, why doesn't Marvel Snap have a mulligan option for your opening hand? And they said, Marvel Snap does have a mulligan option. For one cube, you get to mulligan the entire game that you're playing. And that that mindset shift for me really opened up, oh, my deck didn't get hosed by this location. I'm just taking a mulligan on this game. Oh, this matchup was bad. We're going to take a mulligan on this start, etc. And realizing that bailing out is tactical it's not something that's negative is so powerful with the snapping mechanic yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more uh i've also been saying i couldn't agree more to a lot of things that you guys are saying so i think we're all on the same wavelength um it was actually you ridiculous hat uh when you were here on the podcast uh you know several months ago now um you had said something similar to that that um it's not about, you know, the wins and losses. It's really about, I mean, this is slightly different from what Jeff's saying, but it's about winning cubes, right? And I had just been very focused on, like, I have to win every game. I want to win every game, and I just want to keep pushing myself to turn five and six. When it's very obvious in some games by turn three or four, I'm not going to win. I haven't drawn what I need. The locations aren't in the favor of what I'm playing, etc. And kind of like you're saying, Jeff, I, I didn't feel empowered for a while, right? I felt like, no, I need to like, there's that, I need to see if there's a chance. I need to like, just go because I want to get that win out. But then what happened most of the time was I'd end up losing two or four cubes and that just felt worse, right? But really shifting that mentality, I agree with you, is empowering. It feels like, hey, I can, I can take some one losses and I can, I can wait until there are those games where I can win two, four, eight cubes, right? Where the things start to align. So I uh, couldn't agree more with that. Quick, quick thing on snapping too. If you're watching content creators and like, it's kind of hard to learn snapping from them because as content creators, we are encouraged to not like snap and not retreat more than you should be if you're just trying to get better. And that that's maybe just an excuse that I use for myself because I'm so bad with the snapping mechanic. But just just always think about that as as you're starting the game and watching other people play. I frequently try and call out when I'm making content, if you're snapping optimally, this is where we go, or the percentages say, hey, we should be bailing out here and we're chasing. This is a content call. And I, I agree completely with Binks. The things that we're doing to optimize things on screen for entertainment are very different than optimizing cube rate for climbing. Yes. Yes. That's that's why I lose a bunch of cubes, too. It's for my <laughs> content. Uh but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. This is the thing that you have to learn. This is this is not a card game. This is poker. You're playing for the stakes. It is not about winning or losing. Uh, and human nature, you're compelled to not bet big until you're sure you're going to win, which is not what you should do in snap because then you snap on six and they leave for one cube if they're going to lose because they have complete information. And also, you're compelled naturally to want to see the cool thing that they're going to do when the reality is, I'm gonna just go. And play the next game is a much better option. So here's the here is the go-to heuristic. This isn't my number one tip. This is my number two tip. My number two tip for new players. If you get to turn four, you make a decision. Am I snapping now or am I retreating as soon as they snap? Those are your two options and the one you pick is binding. Do not second guess yourself. If you get to turn five, you top deck something clearly like, oh, maybe I can get there. No, no, no. If you think you're in a losing position, if they snap you in the last three turns of that game, you go. That is binding. And if you think that you're going to win, you snap right then and there. Now, if you draw a couple bad cards and they snap you right back, retreating for two or four is a lot better than getting eight cubed. So just turn four, halfway through the game is when you need to decide, am I ahead or am I behind? If you're ahead, you push. If you're behind, you get ready to pull back. My number one tip 
This is much more important. Keep a charger near you whenever you're playing, especially if you've been playing for a little bit, especially if you notice your phone getting warm. And if you're on Android especially, set the battery settings to restrict Marvel Snap background activity, because otherwise you'll open it and then tab out of it and your phone's battery will drain quickly. And then you won't get to play more Snap, especially if you have a wireless charger like I do. So corollary tip, if you have a wireless charger by your bed, just get a cable. You're going to need it. Thank me later. I can't. Uh, I, that is exactly what happened to me. You, I it have, is not possible for you to agree more. Yeah. No way. You can't. <laughs> I was going to say it again. Uh, I, sometimes I get stuck into saying the same thing over and over again. So trying to use other words. Uh, I have a wireless charger by my bed, and I've been using it for a long time. The last couple of months, I put a regular cord in again because, one, I wanted to have it keep it plugged and charging while I'm playing late at night in bed. Uh, but two, it was just, uh, it would get kind of too hot and like not charge as well on the wireless charger. So that is some solid advice. I can, I can attest that that is something you're going to want to do. Binks, uh, what is your number one tip for newcoming players? Yeah. So I'm going to give advice, not based on climbing because I'm not very good at this game and I'm not, especially not good at climbing on the ladder. But what I want to give an advice for new players to have as much fun as possible in this game uh, is to experiment and not to just straight up net deck. Always try and add your own spice into this game and try and try out multiple different decks. I feel like when a game like this comes out, people's first intentions is they go to Google, they type best Marvel Snap decks, they find the best Marvel Snap decks that they can build, and then they just start running that and playing a ton of it and then they get frustrated because maybe they haven't learned like the full mechanics of the game um and that that scares me because i i think that this game has so much to offer you, you know especially the first few months i started playing this game i didn't look at a single net deck and i built new decks pretty much every single day and just like looked at cards and tried to make it work and what's so cool about this this game in particular any deck that you build can win games. You can put the worst cards you possibly can into a deck. You can still find ways to win games based on the locations. So if you're only looking to climb and gain ranks, maybe this advice isn't for you. Maybe you do want to grind, but always leave yourself open to be able to experiment, build new decks. And if you are going to be that person who's going to go and just try and find the best decks statistically that are out there right now, you can do what you want to do, but I would say that you're going to have a lot more fun if you try and add or adjust one or two of those cards to throw your own little spice in it, because then you're going to feel really, really good when it works. It's always going to find sometimes works. And what you're going to do is, is expand your like love for the game. You're never going to fall into a position where you're like, oh, I'm tired of running this deck, but this is kind of what I have to run. Um, so yeah, that, that's my biggest thing is experiment, keep an open mind and try and add your own spice to every deck that you have, because this deck is just, or this game is super, super deep, incredibly fun. And you can enjoy it a little bit more by adding your own flavor to those decks. Very true. I, I think all of us have enjoyed deck building. I think that's something we've all talked about in the past. Uh, Binks and Jeff, it's obviously something you guys do on your streams, uh, that I've enjoyed watching you guys play is you guys are both willing to try new things and really try to go and be creative and uh, maybe take what other people are doing and kind of add your own twist on it and own unique combinations. And I think that's one of the things that Marvel Snap really has going for it is that, you know, decks are only 12 cards. You can't have duplicates. So, and the way they design the cards is that every card can have an impact. So just taking a deck of 12 cards and switching out one can really change how a deck plays. And I think that's just very different than a lot of card games that are out there. And it's not even just that the decks are 12 cards, but it's the fact that you see 75% of your deck in every six turn game. I think one of the things that's really awesome about Snap is how consistent the decks are while the game acquires important variants to keep the games varied from the location mechanic. Yes. Yep. So you can kind of know that you know, on average, you're going to be able to pull off combos or draw certain cards you want together a certain amount of the time, uh, which is a lot more consistent than, you know, if you have 40 cards in your hand or in your deck, yep. right? And, so. and for people that don't know the stats offhand, you are 75% to draw any given card in your deck by the sixth turn of the game in Marvel Snap, which is one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this game. The small deck sizes really let you 
do stats off the cuff in a way that you can't in 40 and 30 and 60 card games. Yeah, I, I think that's, I'm you know, I've played several other card games and I think that was something that was always hard for me. I felt like I was never a good deck builder, quote unquote. Um, I always felt intimidated by these large deck sizes and thinking I need to go and I need to Google it. I, you know, I need to do what Binks is saying not to do. I need to find the most optimal deck because that's the only way I'm going to climb or, uh, you know, people are going to have that information. And if I don't have it, then I'm up against that and I, I can't compete. And in Marvel Snap, I don't feel like I need to. Sometimes I still look it up just to get ideas. Uh, but I like to do what Bing says. I like to do my own spin on it, maybe change it up. Maybe I don't even have all the cards, right? So uh, I will, you know, do with what I have and I'll, and I'll make it work still. Awesome. Yeah, and I love that changing one card, you notice it right away. You can tell. And so like Binks, to your point, you can make a deck your own with just a couple cards here and there. You don't need to net deck. You can decide, am I playing Scarlet Witch today? Am I playing Shang-Chi today? Am I going crazy and playing something else? But if you change one card, you'll notice it the next game most likely. And uh, pretty cool that you can get that kind of instant gratification of it's not just speed of a game, but speed of understanding the impact your decisions have in and outside of the game. That goes a long, long way. Yeah, yeah and, and to, your, to your point, in like a given session, you change one card into that deck, especially if it has a big payoff. Like you mentioned Shang-Chi, Enchantress, Rogue, a card like that. You're going to get that payoff in, you know, five or six games, uh, and it's going to feel really good. It's it's just, it's it's one of the really good, like, it, it makes you feel smart. It makes you feel awesome for adding that card into the deck. Uh, the the reward of doing that, I feel like, is, is definitely the way to go. So, totally agree there. Yeah. 75%. That's the Jeff math. You know that's true. It's It's been checked. Uh, one one piece of advice I'd like to add, uh, this is probably more for myself than it is for you guys or maybe the listeners, but I can't tell you how many times I do what we've all been saying. I you know I play Marvel Snap between meetings at work or, or here or there where I think, oh, I'm paying attention, but I'm not paying full attention. And then I forget that my opponent has laid down a card in a certain spot that has some ability that's going to trigger later in the game or if I play my card there, etc., and I think I'm going to win, and then I don't because I'm not paying attention. So my <laughs> advice is pay attention. Uh, you know, don't don't think that you can kind of pay only half attention and think you're gonna you're gonna win games because uh, sometimes I try to do that, and that is not the case. So uh, if you're playing, suppose- oh yeah, that was my cardinal rule in pool one. Um, if I'm gonna lose to America Chavez, just retreat, just go. Yeah, or or the the funny the one of the things that I think that the game should improve is being able to see what you discarded afterwards because you if if a card gets discarded or like a Yandu pulls something out of your deck, you see it for a second and then it's gone. And uh, if you're playing at home, you don't have the luxury of of begging chat to uh, to to tell you what it was, which I have to do every single time. No, it's like you know every time somehow Sokovia is the first location flipped. I've been looking away because I'm waiting for the game to start. I look and then I see it's there. And it, I know I've discarded a card. Have no idea what it is. And so I'm like, I have no idea if this was a card I needed or not. And uh, I probably should just retreat. So uh, yes, uh, make sure you are you're paying attention and you're understanding the implications of of what's happening in the game. Well, awesome, uh, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we're we're coming to the end of the episode here, but. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all of these guys for, for jumping here today. They're all creating lots of different content and sharing lots of great thoughts about Marvel Snap. Um, and there are many, many more uh, people that have, you know, found a passion for creating content for this game. So make sure you're going out and you're you're finding people in the community uh, like Binks, like Jeff, like Ridiculous Hat, who are creating content and, and make sure to support them and, and learn more about the game by following them. So... Uh, as we close out here, I just want to give each of you a chance to just kind of give a shout out for your socials and where people can uh, best support you and find the content you're creating. So, uh, Binks, take it away. Yeah, you can watch my YouTube videos. I try and put out a lot of YouTube videos, and I have a really big library of YouTube videos. So if you're brand new to the game, uh, some things will be outdated because things have changed. But definitely uh, look me up, Binks Plays on YouTube. Uh, I stream both on Twitch and YouTube currently. So uh, you can catch me at twitch.tv slash Binks underscore plays. Or again, find me on YouTube and see when I'm streaming there. Uh, YouTube streaming is kind of weird. You can also follow me on Twitter at, uh, you know, again, Binks underscore plays twitter.com slash binks 
underscore place. You can find me there everywhere. Uh, all Marvel Snap content, pretty much. I do a little bit of other things here and there, but uh, you're just going to get lots and lots of awesome, cool Marvel Snap content. Awesome. Thanks, Binks. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, uh, I'm easy to find at just at Jeff Hoagland on YouTube, Twitch, as well as Twitter. Like was mentioned, I make a lot of different content, but if you're primarily interested in finding my best Marvel Snap stuff, I also have a YouTube channel, Hoaglandia Snap, on YouTube. I'd especially like to call out my starter series decks there. If you're new to Marvel Snap and wondering what some of the best decks are, if you are looking to net deck and climb up that ranked ladder, I've got a couple of decks in there that are all pool one and pool two cards, meaning you're guaranteed to build them in your first 500 collection levels. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. And... Ridiculous hat. Um, go sub to those other two guys. And also this podcast. That is the best way to get Marvel Snap content. Um, also, I retweet Deckless sometimes. You can find me on Twitter at Ridiculous Hat. That's the hub of my content. And I'm in a, a bunch of Marvel Snap Discord, so I might see you around there. I don't have any formal content planned for this game or that I'm doing right now. But I will hopefully see you in the ladder or lurking in the Twitch chats of other people that are playing the game like my uh, two fine other guest co-hosts here. Awesome. Well, thank you guys all. Everybody that's listening, make sure to go follow all three of uh, these fine gentlemen and and make sure to follow their content. Um, we really appreciate you for tuning in, whether that's for the 34th time or this is for the first time. And we want you to be able to tune into future episodes. So make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notified when new episodes are available. We try to have at least one new episode every week. And we will be bringing you more content as this game uh, goes into the future. We will catch you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.